Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's the Jeff Cavins Show. And welcome to the Jeff Cavins Show. I'm Jeff. And uh, thank you for taking some time to to be with me today. And uh, whether you're in your car, at, at home, or maybe you're even sick in bed and you're just listening to to the show, uh, I want to welcome you. And I hope that everything that we share is, is of some encouragement to you and adds kind of a bright light to your life. Uh, the show uh, really focuses on topics as they come up from week to week, things that kind of get my attention and and make me think. And I found out over the years as I travel and talk to people that the things that make me think and make me kind of stand back and say, boy, that's a, that's a major issue in my life. I'd like to go deeper into that are oftentimes the things that other people are thinking about too. And I think that today's show is no different. Uh, it's no different at all. What are we going to talk about? Well, we're, we're going to talk about being angry as hell. Yep. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. And I mean it in the fullest sense, angry as hell. And uh, the way that this came about, to be honest with you, uh, just a while ago, uh, my wife and I were driving in the car and it was just a regular evening. I think it was about eight o'clock in the evening and we were, we were driving down the road and uh, all of a sudden we're aware that a car to my right pulled up next to me. And you know when someone is sort of uh, going the same speed you are for a particular reason. And I just glanced over and um, the guy gave me a signal uh, with his hand that was uh, less than loving, should I say. And, and And I thought, what in the world is that guy so angry about? And he, he started mouthing or, you know, words. And I, and I looked at my wife and I said, what, what is his problem? So I slowed down a little bit just to get away from him. And he slowed down and stayed to my, to my right. And I sped up a little bit and, and he sped up and I thought, I got a problem here. And I don't know if this guy is drunk. I don't know if he's high on meth. I, I don't know. I don't know what I did, (laughs) frankly, uh, back there a mile or so ago that would have made him so angry. And my wife didn't know either. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? This guy is angry as hell. What am I going to do? So uh, I thought, well, I'm not going home because I'm, I'm not going to let him know where I live. So I, I knew where the, the the local police department was, you know, and I so I pulled off on the side of the road and he followed me. And he started following me in and out of roads, and I knew I had a problem. And I was going to take him right to the police station. So we eventually got right to the police station. I pulled in, and he pulled in, and as he realized where he was, he backed up and took off. Never saw him again. But it was scary. And and and, and we run into this occasionally. Have you ever have you ever been a part of road rage? Have you ever been going down the road and somebody suddenly got mad at you? And you had no idea, really, no idea. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I know why someone's mad at me and I have to mea culpa, you know, right there on the road. I might as well do a a sign and write up a sign, mea culpa, mea culpa. You know, it's my fault. Don't worry. But in this case, I didn't know what, what, what had happened. It can be dangerous. It can be disconcerting. And uh, it's part of our culture. In fact, Anger is so common in our culture today that that we have names for it, like road rage and going postal and losing it. You know, where uh, we see it on the news all the time. 
And as Christians, we, we, it's something that we have to watch ourselves uh, when it comes to anger. We have to watch our anger. And in today's show, I want to talk to you about good anger. I want to talk to you about bad anger. I want to talk to you about the trigger points in your life that, that set you off and how you can offset that, how you can fight this and really walk in holiness and walk in a good kind of anger. And uh, we're also going to talk about about uh, how we confront anger if somebody else is angry with us. So I hope you stay with me. We're going to have a good show. We're going to investigate this whole issue of anger. And uh, hopefully, as a result of it, we're going to walk in love and kindness and know how to walk in good anger and how to avoid bad anger. We'll be back right after this. This is The Jeff Caven Show. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. Welcome back to the Jeff Caven Show. We're talking about anger today, and maybe you're listening to the show in the car, and uh, something has already happened today where someone pulled over in front of you, or, or got too close behind you, and you felt yourself getting a little bit, a little bit angry. Well, you know, sometimes people act out of their anger with a passive-aggressive behavior. In other words, they act like they are calm, but underneath they are angry, and they, they may express it by not doing something that you want them to do. So sometimes you're around angry people, and you're not really aware that they're angry, but suddenly it comes out. Maybe, maybe that's something you struggle with yourself. I like what the scripture says in Proverbs 29, 22. It says, a man of wrath stirs up strife and a man given to anger causes much anger. That's Proverbs 29, 22. The problem with anger is that when we don't understand it, it literally can control your life. Uh, it's like any passion. It has, it has the potential of, uh, of ending up with good or with evil. And in unresolved anger, whether it's in your family or at work or with your neighbor or on the road, as I mentioned before the break, it can ruin your life. But I want to start off and talk a little bit about anger today. And, and uh, perhaps I'll give a couple of examples in my, in my own life. But one of the things that's important to understand about anger is that anger is an emotion. It's an emotion that rises up literally within one to three seconds, uh, typically. You can go from zero to 100 really, really quick, which, which tells us that we must learn to get on top of it quickly. We've got to learn to control our anger. And, and when we suddenly become angry, believe it or not, it causes a physiological reaction, which is sustained by hormones that last, doctors tell us, for about 30 minutes. I was down at Mayo Clinic. I'm in Minnesota. Mayo Clinic is where my general physician is. And we were talking and uh, talking about how anger uh, is, so, is deadly. In fact, a cardiologist told me one time, he said, he said, I would rather that you smoke a few cigarettes a day than to live in anger in terms of your cardiovascular health. Uh, there are people that have great cholesterol readings. They have great uh, EKGs and everything else, but they had a heart attack in the midst of an anger fit. 
And that is the potential of anger. Anger can change you literally physiologically. And so that's what people uh, refer to, you know, this 30-minute uh, period where your whole body is changed because of anger. That's where we get this, this phrase, you need to cool down. You know, you need to just cool down, which is actually wisdom when it comes to when it comes to anger. Well, you know, the catechism talks about anger, but it talks about anger in the context of the principal passions. The principal passions are things that uh, they're passions that all of us experience, every single one of us at one time or another. So you have uh, you have hatred, one of the passions that we we deal with. Hatred, we have desire, fear, joy, sadness, and yes, anger. Anger is one of those principal passions. And uh, you can find that in the Catechism in paragraph 1772. Now, here's what's interesting about the passions, because I've heard people say before, well, I'm, I'm Irish, I can't help it. You know, it's just part of my DNA. It's the way my dad acted, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my great-great-grandfather. Well, that's not true. We're going to learn today that you can control your passions, you can control anger, uh, as well as you can control uh, sadness, you know, or fear, desire, hatred as well. But here's what it says in the Catechism in paragraph 1773. It says, In the passions, as movements of the sensitive appetite, there is neither moral good nor evil, but insofar as they, en- as they engage reason and will, there is a moral good or evil in them. And then it goes on in paragraph 1774, and it says emotions and feelings can be taken up in the virtues or, as in the case of that guy that was tailing me the other night, perverted by the vices. So so what, what do we mean by that? Well, what we mean is that emotions in themselves are neither uh, evil or, or good or holy, but the emotions and the feelings can be taken up or or they can be influenced as you know putting it another way by virtue so if your emotions the emotion of anger is influenced by virtue it can actually end up becoming a very good thing but if your anger is influenced by vice which could be selfishness or you know concupiscence this disordered self-centeredness or drunkenness or something else it can turn into something that is very 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 destructive and how many how many people we know by listening to the news that ended up in prison because of one outrage that they couldn't control and the law said you're dangerous you are dangerous we also know that uh, that uh, anger is something that also God experiences because we we know about the anger of God. Jeremiah chapter three. I could give you a lot of verses there, and we're not going to go into that right at the moment. I want to get I want to get right to one of the questions that many people ask me when I talk about anger, and that is this: Is there a purpose for anger? If it is one of the principal passions that every person is created with, and every person can experience good anger and bad anger, is there a purpose for anger? And the answer is yes, absolutely. There is a purpose for anger. Anger, and and I'm going to go over this a couple of times because I think it's really, really important because I just got this sense that that you might be dealing with anger in your own life right now in a relationship or uh, at work, wherever it might be. And I want you to know that there is a purpose. 
What is God's purpose in anger? Well, anger is designed to motivate us to take right action when wrong is done or an injustice is done. Now, I want you to remember that because we're going to go over that uh, quite a few times because that is really what we're going to look at when suddenly we get angry on the road or at work or home. Suddenly we get angry. And we're going to have to go back to that. That is a baseline, a foundation to, to discern our own passions. Anger is designed, I'll say it again, anger is designed to motivate us to take right action when wrong is done or an injustice is done. So that tells us right away that there is a good anger. There's an anger that is righteous, a righteous anger, an anger that is uh, constructive because something good can come out of it. But there's also an anger that is very, very destructive. Now, the good anger, let's look at that for a moment. Good anger. This is an anger that is a response to an injustice. It's a There's a moral transgression. There's a sin against us or uh, against me or against my family, one member of my family. Let's say you have a uh, some, someone invades your home and they rob your home and your spouse was injured by or your spouse was injured by a drunk driver or something like that. You at that point... Notice a transgression, an injustice, and an anger can come up in your in your heart. Now, what you do with that can go one of two ways. If it uh, is accompanied by vice, it can go in the wrong way. If it's accompanied by virtue, it can go in a really good way. As the psalmist said in Psalm four and verse one, or, or Psalm four and verse four, "Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your." angry. And let me give you an example of good anger. And I, and I think that most of you will be able to identify with this because you've heard of the organization that I'm going to describe here. You, you probably have not heard the name Candy Leichner. Candy Leichner. Uh, Candy Leichner was shocked uh, when a drunk driver killed her 13-year-old daughter, Carrie. As you would be shocked and and I would be shocked and hurt and incensed. Well, when a judge gave the drunk driver a really light sentence, she was hurt. And that hurt, which is expected, turned into anger. And that anger could have gone one of two ways. She could have gone after that drunk driver's family. She could have, have, uh, have turned herself to drinking. She could have done a lot of different things that were destructive, but she didn't. She saw that injustice as an opportunity to do something right, and she she turned that anger into a national movement to correct the problem, which you know as Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. That's Candy Leichner. Now, that's an example of someone who had every right to be angry when a judge gave a hand slap to the murderer of her daughter, her 13-year-old daughter, Carrie. She did something about it. And she worked hard at it. You see, anger signals you that something serious needs attention. Anger signals you that that something is wrong. And you just might have an opportunity to turn that around. Now, on the other hand, bad anger, which (laughs) I'm uh, uh, ashamed to say I have fallen into from time to time. I think probably most of us have. Bad anger, this is the result of frustration and unfulfilled desire. 
It is uh, a bad mood. It's poor health. It's something that has just inconvenienced your life. That's what James tells us. He says you, you, you're angry because you didn't get what you wanted, basically. So you blow up at your spouse, for example, because uh, he or she forgot to pick up steaks on the way home. Now, does, is that really, does that really warrant anger, or did it inconvenience you? And so you got angry. Was there an injustice done? No. Inconvenience? Yes. Did I need to escalate it to the point of ruining the evening? No. Oh, but how many times I have. How many times have I wrecked an evening out of selfishness? Had no business being angry at all. None. But I chose to to align my anger with vice instead of virtue. And the whole evening was shot. I I got a kick a, a while ago. I was at a store. And you know on your credit card, on the back of your credit card, you're supposed to sign your name? Well, a lot of guys don't want to sign their name because if they lose their credit card and they try to buy something at Best Buy or Target or somewhere, they're going to they're gonna look on the back of it and see that it's signed and everything must be okay. So what they put on the back of their card instead of their signature is they put CID. In other words, ask for my ID. And this guy went into the store. No kidding. He, he, I was standing right behind him. He went into the store. He had CID on his card, and he handed it to the lady, and she looked at it, and she said, can I see some ID? The guy blew up. No kidding. He was, it, was, it was crazy. He blew up, and he said, what do you mean, show you my ID? I'm in here all the time. She goes, it says CID. Now, that was what was funny about it, is that guy is the one that put that on the card, but he responded in an inappropriate way with his anger. <laughs> so we cannot use anger for our selfishness. We have to distinguish between sinfulness and anger. And God's anger, my friend, is not vengeful. It's not vengeful at all. So how do you know if you're experiencing bad anger? Well, in good anger, there's always a wrong perpetrated. In bad anger, there is always a perceived wrong. The perceived wrong is in your mind. It's your perception. And in most cases, it's not worth correcting. It just simply is not worth the emotional energy that you have to put out to make that wrong, that little wrong, right. And that's another thing about anger, too, that we have to think about is, are are you going to spend your life correcting little wrongs? Or are you going to spend your life correcting major issues that really need to be corrected and need, by the way, the assistance of the Holy Spirit to help you? I like this one quote by a a writer. I've I've enjoyed listening to him and I've enjoyed reading his writings on family. Gary Chapman is a great evangelical uh, writer. And he says this, and it's great. He says, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you ever regretted. I love it. I love it. Your job in an instant is to distinguish between the two, good and bad, anger, and then pause before your response. So what are you going to get angry about? That's really a good question. I ask that question of myself. I ask that question of of you. What are you going to get angry about? I mean, really, what's worth it? We need to train ourselves to not get angry about the small things, but the things that really do matter and the things that we can change. Now, right away, and I mentioned this earlier, people will say, well, you know what, Jeff, that's all good. That's all good and and well and everything, but uh, I can't control my anger. 
baloney. That is hogwash. You can't control your anger. Yes, you can. You can control your anger, and and I can control my anger, and any of us can control the principal passions. We can. We can control the principal passions. We really can. Let's go over those again real quick. We've got love, and we've got, let's see, what else we got? We got love. We got hatred. You can control your hatred. You can control love. You can control desire. You can control fear. You can control joy. When was the last time you just broke out into into an unbelievable joy and someone said, what's going on? You said, I don't know. I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't stop myself. I'm just so joyful. I don't think so. You can control your joy. You can control sadness. And once again, you can control anger. So have you have you ever noticed how society celebrates venting anger? We don't encourage people to vent compassion, do we? We're going to have a big compassion fest and we're just going to we're going to vent compassion. We don't see that. I love what James says. James says in chapter 1 verse 9, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, which which really uh, tells us that that you can put the throttle on it if you choose to. If you choose to, you can do that. A couple of other scriptures, Proverbs 14, 17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly, but a man of discretion is patient. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry, but do not sin. And Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Fools. So emotions can be controlled, and we don't complain that, uh, that uh, you know, that we have these outbreaks of of, of great joy and so forth, as I, as I mentioned, but we do suddenly say that I can't control my anger. But here's the funny thing. Let me give you an example of how you can control anger just for my own life. And I would have adventure to say, you've done the same thing in your life. And that's this, you and your spouse or you and whoever, but for me, you and your spouse, you're, or you're in the kitchen and all of a sudden you get angry. You start anger. you start, you know, uh, raising your voice and arguing about something. You know, if you would have done this, this wouldn't have turned out that way. Yeah, but if you would have, yeah, I'm so sick and tired. And all of a sudden the phone rings and you go from yelling at each other to suddenly, hello, Caven's residence. Bingo. <laughs> you controlled your anger on a dime. You controlled it just like that. So we can't use that as, a, as an excuse. I can't control my anger. A fool, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise man controls it. So I'd like you to, to think of yourself as someone who can literally control anger, that you are not so helpless as that you have to, you have to do what anger dictates in your life. That isn't the case. You can actually control the anger in your life. Or another way to put it is you can harness your anger. You know, it's not enough to just handle anger. We have to learn to learn a new response because we've already uh, already learned that that we can control it. So we ne- we now have to respond differently. Control and respond, and that's really really important. You know, as I uh, as I live out my life and I look back, I think about the different times where I lost it. You know, it got got angry, and I think about the repercussions of that. Not only lost time in a day, 
maybe even a weakened relationship, or maybe you lose a relationship with someone because of it. It's just not worth the cost. It's not worth the cost. You know? It's not worth it's not worth the price, I should say. Not the cost, but the price. It's not worth the price. So how do we control our anger? How do we control our anger? I want to talk about that next. I want to give you some practical steps on how to control your anger. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, I'll give you those steps to control your anger. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. There might be an upcoming Ascension event happening near you, and we'd love for you to attend. Almost every week, our inspiring Catholic speakers travel to parishes, schools, and organizations around the country to ignite hearts with the love of Christ. Discover and register for upcoming Ascension events at ascensionpress.com events. Welcome back to the Jeff Caven Show, talking about anger today. In fact, the title is called Angry as Hell. And uh, I don't mean that in a flippant way. I mean it in a literally a literal way. You know, when people are angry, they are angry as hell a lot of times. We could go into that and everything that's going to happen in hell, but it's out of control, let me tell you. But we want to experience an anger that can be harnessed by God and an anger that is geared towards solving a, a problem, an injustice, uh, a hurt that needs to be addressed. Not just something that inconvenienced us or or made us feel less than, you know, we were um, somehow hurt by a comment, so now we have to blow up. We got to pick and choose what we're going to get angry about. And if we can do something about the situation, like Candy Leichner, the founder of, of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, then then you can experience that righteous indignation, that righteous anger. So how do we control our anger? Let me give you just a few kind of practical steps on how to control your anger. Number one, that when something happens to you, whether someone pulls out in front of you or or someone says something to you at home or you get an email from someone at work, whatever it might be, one of the smartest things that you can do, and wisdom would dictate this from a scriptural standpoint, is pause. Take a breath. Pause. Chill. Just pause. Now, this is a discipline because, as I said in the, in the introduction, anger oftentimes arises within one to three seconds. So you ha- this is a discipline, my friend. It's a discipline. This is something you've got to practice. You've got to practice. I don't, I don't know if you're going to practice with someone insulting you just for practice and say, okay, get a hold of yourself, get a hold of yourself. But you got to pause, take custody of your heart, take custody of your mind, rule your spirit. The Bible says, restrain your immediate response and watch the next 30 seconds go by. Just pause, just pause. And you can do that. You can do that. You, there's a lot of things in life where we we pause, and you can do that when you feel violated, hurt. Just pause. Number two, what you want to do is you want to consciously acknowledge, you know what? I'm feeling anger. I am feeling anger here. I'm feeling anger. Number three is, and this is a suggestion that I've heard actually from several psychologists and counselors, uh, priests, deacons, and that is this, count to ten. It's amazing how counting to 10 
It makes a difference in your response as you uh, pause and get control of yourself. Count to 10. Get under control. Remember, sin against will and reason is what's at the heart of anger. The sin against will and reason. That you, you can be reasonable about this. You can control your will. So count to 10. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's not that long, but it sure can sober you up quickly as far as your response goes. Number four, what you want to do is you want to you want to locate the focus of your anger. Let me back up just for a second, though. One through three, you can do that quickly. Don't, you know, next time you're angry, don't say, "Okay, what was one, two, and three? It's basically pause. I'm angry. I'm going to count to 10. It's pretty quick. Then number four, locate the focus of your anger. In other words, identify what specifically about the other person or situation bothers you. Is it good anger or is it bad anger? Does it really warrant me being angry and and doing something here? Or is it an inconvenience, a slight insult that I can just offer up to the Lord and and, uh, forgive? Or does action Is action dictated here? Do I need to take action here? Remember, that's the key. Good anger notifies you. Good anger notifies you that an injustice has taken place and action is necessary. Whether it's quick or whether it's going to take time, that that is dependent upon the situation. So locate the focus of your anger. Number five, is it good or bad anger? What needs to be accomplished? What needs to be accomplished here? So with Carrie Leichner, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, when she became angry, she had to ask herself, what needs to be accomplished here? Well, she could have gone on a tirade and found herself in jail, but she didn't. She paused. She counted to 10 and much, much more. She located the focus of her anger. She realized, I have a right to be angry here. This is righteous indignation. And what did she do? She went about changing the court systems. It was long and meticulous, and it took time, but she did it. So that that's point number five. You got to determine whether it's good or bad anger. And then number six, analyze your options. What are your options here? Does the action I'm about to take or say have anything to do with correcting the wrong or building the person up, which we've got to remember to do as Christians? Does it help the other person? Is it best for the person with whom I am angry? And then... Take constructive action. If it warrants you to be angry to the point where you need to take action, then you need a plan. Take action. Take action. Or the other choice is turn it over to God. In other words, offer it up. And I got to be honest with you. More times than not in my life, driving, at home, at work, wherever. That's what it is. Rarely does my situation warrant anger to the point where I have to take action. You know what it is mostly? Oh, I hate to tell you this. It's selfishness. My day was inconvenienced. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get to order what I wanted. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. I thought you were going to... It's me. All about me. And that's what I've got to learn to turn over to the Lord. 
is that kind of a situation. I just got this sense that some of you might be driving in the car right now, going home to a situation that hasn't been good lately. You know what? It's time for us to walk in holiness. It's time for us to take custody of our heart and our emotions and own up to it and be big kids and walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes a man slow to anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Boy, I need that. I don't know if you're listening to the show today, but I'm listening to the show today, and I need that in my life in spades, big time. So offer it up. Either you take action on this because an injustice has taken place, or you offer this up and give it to God and move on. Move on. You don't need to spend emotional energy on this type of thing that's going on. If someone says this or they say that, big deal. Or as they say in Greek, whoop-de-ding. It doesn't really matter. Live your life for the things that really matter. Now, there's another thing that I want to share with you that is really big, <laughs> and that is the triggers. Get to know your triggers for bad anger because there are things that you can do, things that you can be involved in that are going to make you more, shall we say, uh, more predisposed to falling into bad anger. And that's what I want to talk to you on the other side of this break. We're going to take just, just a moment and we'll be back in a second and we'll learn a little bit about the triggers to anger and maybe talk about a couple that you are struggling with. I'm Jeff Cavins, and this is The Jeff Cavins Show. Hi, this is Father Mike Schmitz. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Welcome back, my friends. We're talking about being angry as hell today. Yep, that's right. Angry as hell. Hopefully we want to get away from it and be as angry as as the righteousness of God. That's what we're looking at today. Uh, it, it, I, I like talking about these topics, talking about anger today, because I know that, that it's practical, and I know that it bridges the gap between faith and everyday life. And I know that God has something to say about, about our principal passions in our life. I know that. And it's so exciting to know that the Word of God, uh, Scripture, and the tradition that we've been given really does address these issues. Before the break, I mentioned to you that we're going to talk about triggers. And boy, I have some. <laughs> I have some triggers in my life, and I know that you have triggers in your life that predispose you to bad anger. Bad anger, once again, is that anger that there, there's no injustice here. There's nothing you've got to take action about. You were just a little bit miffed. You were a little hurt, a little put off, inconvenienced, whatever, and you sort of lost it. And everybody else had to bear the wrath of dad, you know, or bear the wrath of, of mom. Well, what are those triggers? What are those triggers? Well, you, I think if, you, if you're married, let's start right there. <laughs> If you're married, go ask your, you know, spouse. I think they know your triggers. I do. I can set my wife off if I want to. And she can set me off if she wants to. She knows the trigger. And she knows how to 
pull that trigger. And when you look at guns, for example, I'll just go a little deeper with that with a trigger. They have a pistol. You got light trigger triggers. You got light triggers that are like two to three pounds to pull that trigger. And you got you got heavy triggers that are 10, 11, 12 pounds to pull that trigger. Some of us, it's harder to pull the trigger. <laughs> Others, it's pretty quick. It's pretty, pretty quick. So what are some of them? Well, you know, hormones is one, okay? Particularly for ladies. Uh, hormones can can be something to watch in how you respond to perceived injustice or true injustice. Hormones. Uh, and I would say that's probably true with men too. Um, but I think a lot of people identify that as something that that women's hormones are more, um, they fluctuate a little bit more, and men kind of have that one. <laughs> Criticism is one. I hate being criticized. I wish I didn't. I wish I could just take criticism so easily. But sometimes when I'm criticized, boom, I can find myself getting angry quick. How, how are you with criticism? I mean, if someone criticizes you, are you, are you pretty good about it or, or does it get to you quickly? You know, another one that, that, that I hear a lot about in uh, families, all right, here it is. It's four o'clock on a Saturday and you are going to a dinner party at six. Now you like to be there on time. So you know that it's going to be a half an hour drive to get there by six. So you're going to leave at 520. Now your spouse doesn't pay attention to this as much. And there you are at 529 or 535. And you're standing at the door saying, we're going to be late. And your spouse gives you that same answer that you've heard for 32 years and you lose it. And all of a sudden the evening, and the, certainly the ride over, but the evening is shot. Being late. Maybe that's a trigger. Maybe that's a trigger that you need to be aware of that every time your spouse is late, you end up becoming angry. Well, let's ask ourselves a question there. Is that a serious injustice that's taking place? No, it's not. But it is something that you can address, but you can address it in love and in kindness and charity. You don't need to ruin the evening. You just simply don't. You know, here's another big trigger. It's a big trigger for a lot of people, drinking. You know that there's a lot of blow-ups and anger, not only within the family, between dad and mom and the kids and dad and mom, but there's a lot of problems on the highway too and and at dinner parties or whatever it might be, that if somebody wasn't drinking, if they didn't have those those two Jack and Cokes, they would have been fine. But those two Jack and Cokes put them in a position to where they could lose it really quick. And they do. And how many times I've heard people say, you know, mom's, mom's just fine until she's had a couple drinks and then we don't know what we're getting because that's the trigger for her. Can I, can I just say something right now? And that is this. If, if that's you, please consider just giving up alcohol because it's not worth it. Yes, everything in moderation, I know, but if you can't handle it and that alcohol becomes the, the entrance ticket to anger, dating the vices, then 
you're going to lose over and over and over. Wisdom would dictate stay away from it if it's a big trigger point in your life. Financial problems is another one. Earlier on in our marriage, if we had financial problems and Emily brought it up, man, I could get angry quick because I felt so much like a loser that I wasn't controlling my finances or we were getting further in debt and she wanted us to get out of debt and she brought it up and man, I could lose it. It was a trigger point. Stress is a big trigger point too in people's lives. Diet is. Sweet things don't always translate into sweet dispositions, but they can actually get you to a point where you can get angry quickly. Here's another one. And uh, I've noticed this in my life, to be honest with you, lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Sleep is very, very underrated, you know, in society. Oh, I can get by with five hours. I can get by with four. I can get by with six. Get as much sleep as you can. It's your body's rest. It is it is healing itself and mending itself. And your brain is putting everything in the right place that it needs to be. You need sleep. You really do. And if you don't get it, you're more susceptible to anger. The idea that um, that my ideas are not accepted is a trigger. If you've been in a meeting at work and you give all these great ideas and people look at you like, oh, good. Okay, let's move on to the next point. And you're like, no, we're not moving on to the next point. You just dissed my ideas. And you can become angry. Another one is unfulfilled expectations in a relationship. Unfulfilled expectations. Wow, the heart just, the heart sinks with unfulfilled expectations, doesn't it? And here's, here's one more. I could, give, I could give you a lot of these. I'll give you one more, though. And that is this. <laughs> Poor customer service on the phone. Oh, there's been a few times where I want to take that phone and just slam it down to the, you know, the counter. And uh, I'm, I'm angry. Did I need to be? No. Was I? Yes. Did the kids see? Yes. Was the evening shot? Yes. Did it need to be? No. Oh, man, I wish I could go back and learn from some of these things. And hopefully going forward now, we can learn from them and walk Walk as Jesus walked. So what about confronting a person in anger? Maybe, you, maybe you're not struggling with anger as much as people in your family struggling with anger. I want to give you a few tips on that on that too. Uh, if you're confronting a person in, in anger, number the number one principle to learn is Proverbs 15.1, which says that a soft answer turns away wrath. Suddenly someone comes to you at work. You know what? I'm really, really ticked off about what happened in that meeting. And, and if I read you right, this is what you meant. That Stop. Remember? Pause. Pause. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Where's this coming from? What's this about? A soft answer turns away wrath. You don't have to suddenly, in the middle of their sentence, say, Just a minute here. I'm tired. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh answer, well, it stirs up anger. That brings up anger. So number one, a soft answer. Number two, listen to them without answering. If they're angry, listen to them. Don't butt in. Don't answer right away. Take in the data. Listen to them. Hear the whole story. Then ask questions to clarify the situation. Remember, inside of that person is a deep sense that they have been wronged. In their, they have a perceived injustice that they're dealing with. 
That's what you want to help them solve. This isn't just a battle. I'm right, you're right. You want to help solve a perceived or real injustice because he thinks that you are involved or you have the power or the influence to help. That's why he's engaging you. That's why she's engaging you. What are you doing? Respecting him, respecting her, and treating them the way you would want to be treated. Oftentimes, you know, when we confront our children, if our children get angry, try to see it through their eyes. Try to see the way they are communicating to, to what they are really angry about. And listen, if, and I know this from experience, if you, stop, if you stop the conversation because of the way they are communicating, you will never get to the heart of the problem. And I'll be honest with you, I've said this before to my kids. I didn't listen to what they were saying. I listened to the way they were communicating. I stopped them. I said, until you can talk to me in a civil way, I am not going. I'm bigger than that. Listen to their heart and help them resolve this perceived injustice. If parents don't try to understand the source of their children's anger, their children may end up with passive aggressive behavior. And they may be passive on the outside, but aggressive later. And then number three, put yourself in the angry person's shoes. Try to, try to empathize. Would you be angry? Would you, you know, uh, you are trying to help them process their anger. Your response is not defensive. Shouldn't be defensive. Put yourself in their situation. And then and number four, share some additional information, which may shed light on the situation. Anything that you know, the facts that will help solve the problem. And then confession and restitution. If you're wrong, don't be defensive. Confess it and make restitution. If they are right, and I've had times where somebody told me about me and they were right, but I continued to put the wall up and stand my ground to my own hurt. It would have been better to humble myself and to say, you are right, you are right, and I am wrong. Anything that you know, the facts that will help you know, solve the problem here will, will come into play. I am wrong. <laughs> you just stated this fact. You just stated that you are wrong. You are right. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Now, wrong, wrong, wrong responses. What do they try to do? You know, if you have a wrong response, try to uh, cap the anger. And that's what we typically do. I'm going to cap your anger. I'm going to cap it. I'm not going to listen to it. If you continue with that tone, go to your room. You have to overlook tone, face, voice, and try to discover what they're angry about. Imitate their behavior. Behavior. Imitate their behavior. If you do that, now what I'm saying there is that if you imitate their behavior, if they yell, you yell. If they curse, you curse. That is wrong. That's wrong. You change the game. You change the atmosphere by walking responsibly and in holiness. And, you know, just a little side note, dealing with your children don't be harsh. Oh, don't be harsh. You know, I have three girls and uh, they're all grown up now. And uh, sometimes I look back and I think I was too harsh, particularly with my daughters. And I'm going to talk about that on an upcoming show. I'm going to talk about raising daughters 
But fathers, don't be harsh with your girls. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Paul said this to the Ephesians. He said in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The child's anger may be seated in a distorted anger rather than a valid anger. If this is the case, then working it out with them is the important thing. You be the model. You show the right behavior. You guide your child through anger episodes. Give them instruction. Give them instruction from a place of calm and a loving heart. A loving heart. I love it. Wow, the time goes by so quickly, and uh, I wish that we could spend more time together talking about this. Perhaps we will in the future. It's a very important topic, anger, and how to manage it. There is, once again, as we conclude, a good anger and a bad anger. A good anger is when an injustice has been done, and that anger is calling you to do something about it. But a bad anger, an evil anger that that gives itself over to the vices is oftentimes due to our own selfishness and inconvenience, and we want things put right that really don't need to be put right. We're learning to discern between the two and take appropriate action. Now, what I, what I would just uh, encourage you to do if you're listening on the way home right now in the car is that if you're dealing with something at home and you go home, do something different today. Let them see a different side of you. Hey, it's been good talking to you. Once again, you can get all of my Bible studies and and all the materials uh, that uh, I've worked on in the last 20 years at ascensionpress.com. That's ascensionpress.com. On Twitter, I'm Jeff Cavins. Uh, Jeff Cavins on um, Facebook. You can just Google that. Facebook, go there and search. You'll find that uh, right away. And the uh, website is jeffcavins.com. That's where I put my schedule. Uh, my uh, pilgrimages with my wife over to Israel and everything. We look forward to spending time with you. If you're interested in me coming to your city to do a seminar on the weekend, go to ascensionpress.com and they'll give you all the information. God bless you and you have a wonderful day. 